Welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I am joined, as always, each and every week by the fighting Irishman himself, KP, Kevin Patrick. KP, it's a big week here on ATB. We're about to get that Grayson Waller rub, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Can't wait, fella. Hey, congrats, by the way. The Pittsburgh mayor, Corey Graves, bringing payback to your own town, Steel City. What a buzz, huh? What an ovation for you. I'm not the mayor yet. I'm giving myself till the end of the decade to accomplish that feat, although it's not out of the realm of possibility. But man, I want to start things off again by thanking everyone in my hometown. The Steel City brought it for WWE Payback that went down this past Saturday. So much to get to from that event. We got to talk about big things from Monday Night Raw. Big things and speculation headed our way on Friday Night SmackDown, KP. So much to get to. So little time. I love when I can accurately utilize the Willy Wonka quote. So much to get to. So little time. Uh, but yeah, there, there's so much to talk about, KP. This, is, this has been a wild weekend in the realm of WWE and we are showing no signs of slowing because fast lane now right around the corner, Indianapolis, Indiana, but Pittsburgh brought it. The energy from the opening bell to the end of the night was through the roof. And, uh, I would take a minute to pat ourselves on the back KP ourselves being the Royal WWE because payback kicked all of the ass. I think we've talked about it on this podcast. You and I have, I've talked about it in the past with Vic. You have to be careful because these sneaky pay-per-views, I'm sorry, premium live events, these sneaky premium live events, such as payback in that they're not one of the tent poles, not one of the big four or big five, because we tend to throw money in the bank in with that conversation these days, but a payback, we had no bloodline. We had no universal championship defense. It was Seth freaking Rollins in the main event, defending his world heavyweight championship on paper, Maybe not a card that felt must-see to the entire WWE universe. But in the few minutes after we went off the air, man, I don't think anybody would disagree that if you missed payback, you missed something special. Yeah, 100%. uh, Totally agree. And when you think about some of the big names, yes, Roman Reigns was not there. This thing was hosted by John Cena. You know? Oh, yeah. I'd say that was a fair (laughs) trade-off. But I thought overall, for me, the, the headline uh, coming out of it, one, Kevin Owens is a, is a lunatic. The fellow is an absolute mind. lunatic. I mean, what are you doing, KO? What, were you, what was your reaction like on commentary? My reaction was I, I wanted to watch. I, I, it was one of those instances. I, I don't want to say one instance. There were multiple instances during the Steel City street fight on Saturday night where I just wanted to be a fan and watch what these guys were doing. I didn't want to speak. I didn't want to add commentary. I just wanted to watch because the energy in PPG Paints Arena was through the roof, due in no small part to the madness that KO displayed, but hats off to everybody. And this is what I wanted to get to when we get into our deeper conversation in that while payback may not have been viewed as a, as a must-see pay-per-view initially, in the wake of the event and looking across the sports entertainment landscape as we try to do, people these days are so captivated, so fascinated by the behind the scenes, right? If you're, if you're listening to this more often than not, you are a, an educated sports entertainment fan. I hate to say that I hate to use the term smart, uh, but you know more than generally the average WWE fan who only tunes in to watch on Monday or Friday. So you know that there's an, a, a pocket of our fandom who are 
emotionally invested in the behind the scenes and contract negotiations and who's getting fired and this, that, and the other thing. If you take a step back, in my opinion, what this weekend provided was plenty of reasons not to discuss any of that crap. Let's just enjoy what happened on our screens because on one night in Pittsburgh at payback for my money. And in the opinion of many, I know Michael Cole was the first one to say it out loud. We got not one, but two potential match of the year candidates and then followed up immediately with another on Monday Night Raw. So let's take all of the speculation and the behind the scenes and why this happened and where they're going next and just be fans. Let's just be quote unquote casual fans and talk about what we saw actually go down for our entertainment from Saturday night all the way through Monday night. And it began with the cage match the steel cage match with Becky Lynch with the hall of famer, Trish Stratus. It kicked off the night. And when you're putting together a wrestling card, whether it be for WWE or anywhere else, generally you want to take the fans on a ride, but you need that ever important match to kick off the night on the right note. And dare I say, Trish and Becky both set the bar dangerously high for the rest of the card. That was very much a performance from everyone involved that to me screamed, follow that. Could we have expected anything less? Not at all. Trish Stratus, the Hall of Famer, but Becky Lynch as well. And this has been brewing for an awful long time, Corey. So when that steel cage was lowered in Steel City, you're right. That set the tone for the night. It absolutely did. And as much as I'm going to contradict myself by saying, if you've been following along on the behind the scenes or the internet wrestling community, you know that Trish and Becky both wanted that coveted SummerSlam match, that big time payoff match at SummerSlam and scheduled being what it was, it ended up happening happening at payback. That match, in my opinion, would not have been out of place at SummerSlam. Even WrestleMania, that was a fantastic match. And again, not women's match, WWE steel cage match. You've got the man, Becky Lynch, who has been setting the business on fire for the last several years. You've got Trish Stratus, who came back for what I think most people assumed was sort of a nostalgia run. Much like when Trish came back a few years ago to do battle with Charlotte Flair. And I think credit needs to be given to Trish. Non-ironically, this is not obnoxious Corey Graves screaming, thank you, Trish. Truthfully, that at her age, after what she's been through physically in her first run with the company, to step away for as long as she did and to come back and be able to deliver at that level, like Trish and Becky both did on Saturday night, is a testament to Trish Stratus being every damn bit as good as she says she is. But it's wow factor for me. Big time. Big, big time. Trish Stratus, look, the age she's at, there's no hiding that. Trish to come back and put on a clinic over the past few months, the way she has, I'll say this, behind the, st- behind the scenes, Trish Stratus is an inspiration as invested as anybody. I- I'm, I'm constantly wowed by her. She says, I'm not your nostalgia act. What did she say? I'm not your teenage fantasy anymore. Is that what it was? You're still hung up on that, KP. This is like six up, months no, but, ago. But, Obviously, but she struck be- a chord. <laughs> she's gone beyond all that, though. All those you know, lines and, and, and catchy moments throughout the show to deliver what she did. And for me, the key here with Trish Stratus over the last few months is the fact that she elevated Zoe Stark to where Zoe is right now. Certainly in my mind, tell me if you agree with me or not, but about a year ago, I'm only going to stop you just to say before you get to your point, because I like where you're going. 
Trish assisted in elevating Zoe because no one can be elevated without putting in the work on their own. So I would say that, yes, Trish was a major factor in the success of Zoe, but Zoe's the one doing the heavy lifting on her own. Zoe's the one making her own mark. But yeah, Zoe's I completely been doing agree it for years. Please continue. Year on year, Zoe's been doing it, but Zoe needed something. Zoe comes up to Monday Night Raw without Trish Stratus. Where's Zoe Stark right now? And I get it. Look, she's put in the work. She's incredible in the ring. But Zoe, for me, was, I won't, I won't say an afterthought, but she certainly was in front and center in the draft. Right now, she's been the most successful from the draft in my mind. She is now operating on a different level to where she was back in, what, February and March when she first came up to Monday Night Raw. And in large part to do with Trish Stratus and how she's fed off Trish and how she relates to Trish and that, that kind of that telepathic relationship that they seem to have on the microphone together over the past few months. Zoe's next level. She is beyond a pit bull, as Becky Lynch called her. And I've become a huge fan. And when Zoe's on, I'm watching. I'm listening to what she's doing. And that, for me, is a massive hat tip to Trish Stratus. Because we see it with John Cena now. When John Cena comes back and gets in the ring with a Grayson Waller, who we'll speak to here in moments on the show, that has to have an effect. And the goal of John Cena in that moment is to have that effect, to get the very best out of Grayson Waller, because he's standing in the ring with John Cena. Zoe's been standing in the ring with Trish Stratus. And with that, I think Zoe's gone to another level here. I don't disagree with you. And to the John Cena point, I'll do you one better. Uh, yes, Grayson Waller got to share a ring with John Cena. But Saturday night at Payback, aside from The Miz, also uh, L.A. Knight got that very special moment with the GOAT at the end of their night. But that's actually, believe it or not, on a stacked night like Payback was, not where I'm going next. I want to talk to We'll talk about John Cena in a second, or at least the image of John Cena. Uh, we'll talk more about that involving The Miz in a minute. But elsewhere on the card, I do want to take it back to the Steel City street fight. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Damian Priest, Finn Balor. I'll even add in Rhea and Dominic to the equation because that all of them came together to make this perfect storm that was one of the most memorable tag matches we've seen in a long, long time in WWE. And above all else, to me, they accomplished something that's very difficult to accomplish in a quote-unquote hardcore match or a no-holds-barred match, whatever that may be, in that they maintained and elevated the intensity as the match progressed. It started wild and got progressively more insane as the night went. The intensity kept rising. The excitement kept rising and it culminated in a shocking, in my opinion, shocking title change. We've got new undisputed WWE tag team champions in Finn Balor and Damian Priest, but man, the steel city street fight. Obviously I'm biased. Obviously I was having a little too much fun being able to drop my deep Pittsburgh sports cut references (laughs) Uh, Because let's be honest, when am I going to ever get the chance to do that? But everything from the visual of KO and Sammy standing up in the penalty box in Penguins jerseys, KO wearing the proverbial crimson mask, dropping the gloves. It was fun from start to finish. And man, even though at the end, I was as baffled as anybody when Finn got the pinfall after the assist from Dom. But I was grinning from ear to ear because it was like, Oh my God, I don't remember the last time I had that much fun just calling a chaotic brawl like we saw. We're in the midst of a golden era, aren't we? We are. It's it's okay to realize that. We've talked about with the business and how healthy the business is right now. We are in the midst of a golden era. When you look back in, in 30 years time and someone mentions Kevin Owens, I think you're talking about one of the greats. 
I think when you when you when you see a John Cena come back and want to be involved right now, it's why. It's because we're in the midst of this golden era right now and some greats want to be involved, whether it's what Seth is doing, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns wasn't involved, yet it's the Sami Zayn's, the Kevin Owens. These are these are greats. In time, these are considered some of the greats, Corey. Am I right or wrong here? Oh, I completely agree with you. And I think, again, this is another, the second of the night that should be on the match of the year contender list when it comes time to give out those awards this coming year. Uh, and, I, and I would be remiss to not at least give an honorable mention to the main event. Shinsuke Nakamura and Seth freaking Rollins was awesome. It was a very, very smartly contested, uh, beautifully paced story within the main event. We are seeing the best Shinsuke Nakamura we've ever seen in the confines of WWE. Rollins doing the Lord's Wait, work. Say that one more time. Say that one more time. We are seeing the best Shinsuke Nakamura that we have had the chance to see since he arrived in WWE. And I'm throwing that all the way back to NXT, where it was as close to what we're getting now, but Shin evolved. Shin took a few years to navigate what the WWE fans want, which it's no secret is drastically different from the Japanese style of wrestling and what Japanese fans tend to enjoy. Shinsuke to me now seems comfortable, seems confident and feels dangerous it's a tangible feel sitting at ringside when cole and i were calling that you could feel the sense of urgency from nakamura and the danger in the eyes of seth rollins and those two tore it down it was an absolutely incredible matchup that should not under any circumstance be glossed over because we're talking about the cage match we're talking about the steel city street fight but the main event delivered man those two clicked really well for my money. That was one of the best Nakamura matches we've seen in WWE. And I am genuinely excited. And we talked to Seth about it here on this podcast last week. Seth understands it's taken a while, but the final form of Shinsuke Nakamura is right around the corner. We are witnessing the best we've seen. And I feel like there's a little bit more room to grow when we will truly get to understand the magic that made Nakamura an international superstar in the first place. That word is key. Understand Nakamura. And I feel like we're getting there over the past few weeks. It's felt to me like I'm getting there too. Even seeing him kicking Rollins in the back of the head as Rollins was down. Kinshasa to the back, targeting the back again on Raw. I'm willing to take that to an extreme level that I really hadn't seen uh, from Shinsuke before. And, and nonchalantly just kicking Seth in the back of the head the way he did. You're like, holy... Yeah, this guy's willing to go to another level here. Speaking of Raw and another level, wow, Gunther, Chad Gable, <laughs> Intercontinental <laughs> Championship. Man, did that deliver gravy. Man, I had high hopes, uh, but you never know, right? They, they, they've shown glimpses of greatness in their few interactions in the past. I actually, full disclosure, stayed up. I, I, I've been guilty of watching Raw Tuesday mornings a lot lately because it's just little late for my old ass to stay up and stay invested <laughs> and pay attention. And because I know I need to discuss it here on this podcast with you often, I stayed up because I was excited. I had a feeling that it was going to be special. I think the entire WWE universe expected it to be special. And again, much like the other matches we are droning on and on about because they were epic. They were magical for my money. Gunther versus Chad Gable for the Intercontinental Championship on Monday Night Raw was as close to perfect as you can get in the year 2023. 
The emotion was at an all-time high. You have got this daunting, dominant Gunther, intercontinental champion, on the verge of making history to become the longest reigning intercontinental champion in history. And you've got Chad Gable, this guy who's sort of flown under the radar for a while. We've seen glimpses of what he's capable of, but Gable seems to have really found it and been feeling it. And the crowd, the energy from the crowd, Gable's family in the front row, it was as close to... Rocky versus Ivan Drago in a WWE ring as, as we're going to see, or we've seen since at least the eighties in, in, you know, the Hulkamania era where you have the evil foreign villain and man, the chemistry from bell to bell, they could have gone an hour and I would not have batted an eyelash. I was hanging on every move. Gable reminding everyone that he's a United States Olympian, which in and of itself is a feat that, Most people can't fathom the work that actually goes into reaching that level. You've got Gunther, who I say it all the time on this show, and I believe it more and more every week. I think, here's your headline for the week. Corey Graves says, Gunther is the best professional wrestler on the planet Earth right now. Period. Period. I'm not saying that in a sports entertainment. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am, because I love different things about this business, right? I love someone who can captivate us on the microphone. It's why I'm a Grayson Waller fan. It's why I've enjoyed The Miz for so long. It's why Roman's so special, because he can do it in a certain way and seen as the greatest of all time because of his his tongue as much as his physical athletic ability. Gunther makes me believe in what I'm seeing. And Gable met Gunther's physicality. Everything Gunther did, everything that makes Gunther Gunther, Gable met every step of the way, and it was magic. When Gunther got his hand raised, you could feel the the sadness, the disappointment, like somebody let the air out of the entire WWE universe. But about three seconds after that, everyone went, God, that was awesome. You couldn't even be sad. You couldn't even be disappointed because what you just saw was so special and so magical. And Gunther was yet again so dominant and reminding everyone, yeah, Gable's good. Gable, in my opinion, and I dare say in the opinion of most, became an even bigger star Monday night in defeat, which is difficult to do. When we had him here on the podcast, he spoke about the different elements of WWE, right? And, and, and the character that is Chad Gable and diving into the academic challenge, diving into all these different comedic elements to what he produces each and every week. And his mentality was, well, I'm going to make it the best that I can, right? What is it about Chad Gable that makes him such a chameleon today in our industry that he can go toe to toe with the ring general Gunther, yet can go backstage and produce the funniest moment of the whole night? This fella is a modern day chameleon. Because Chad Gable believes in himself, in what he's doing, in what the Chad Gable character is doing. There is no disconnect. Chad Gable is Chad Gable all the time. And Chad Gable knows what's happening in these circumstances because he is Chad Gable. He's not putting on a facade. He's not playing a character. It's all inside of him. He's finally figured out how to let the world enjoy it with him. We've talked to him here on the podcast. It's not dissimilar to sitting in catering or the locker room and chatting with him. Gable's a great guy, super likable, very intelligent, very easy to have a conversation with. But that doesn't always necessarily translate through a television screen. And I think it took Gable a few years to really figure that out. Now that he's figured it out, the sky is the limit. 
or at least until Gunther decides that's where the bar ends right there because Gunther doing, doing that work right now. And again, I think he's the best wrestler. And, and let me clarify a little bit, definitely bell to bell, but I think the entire persona, the aura 100%. that Imperium has provided when Gunther comes to the ring and Kaiser rips that jacket off, it's so clean. It's so mechanical almost. And then he gets in the ring and you can bet your bottom dollar. You were about to see the best match of the night. If not the best match you'd seen all week and had payback not taken place Saturday night. I have a feeling we would spend about 35 minutes just talking about Gunther and Gable. I loved it that much. It felt perfect to me. It left me wanting more, more Gunther, more Gable, more classic intercontinental championship matchups. Hats off to everybody involved, man. That was magic. And that's one of the keys for me with Gunther. Left me wanting more is what you just said. Even on the microphone, it's short, but it's impactful. Gunther will go on for 20 seconds. He doesn't need a four-minute promo in the middle of the ring. 20 seconds is enough for him to get his point across, and he'll stand up on our desk, and I'm kind of bricking it in that moment, to be honest with you. I'm back at the chair away, and I want to just run. And Gunther will deliver in a way that will leave the audience wanting absolutely more. And with Kaiser and Vinci by his side, man, they have been incredible. That is a big statement from you, though. I, I stand by it. I stand by it much like I stand, stood by it and still sort of do when I talked about Jey Uso. Uh, this is several months back. I tweeted something to the effect that Jey Uso is the most complete sports entertainer in the game right now. And I look at them as different. I, I see them as playing different roles. Jey Uso has that emotional connection. Like you could see when he came out at Payback on the Grayson Waller effect and announced that he is part of the Monday Night Raw roster Kudos to Monday Night Raw because you got a brand new main event player. That's what I'm talking about. Jay Uso has the, the ability to speak people into the seats and has people caring about his every move. And that is a very, I think, different role within the WWE Universe than what Gunther plays. There's a dream match for you right there. Give me Jay Uso versus Gunther. Could you imagine? My God, give him an hour on Monday Night Raw. I will, I will be hanging on every chop, every super kick. My God, the, the possibility of that match makes me excited. And, and I think Jay is doing extremely well. But Jay is now a Monday Night Raw guy. Uh, due in no small part to the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. But KP, now comes the speculation part of the show where I have to ask. We heard Adam Pierce on Monday say... Someone from Raw is headed to SmackDown, and people on Raw aren't going to be very happy about it. Who could that be? It's got me excited. I mean, we're losing a, a, an A-level player in Jey Uso. The return had better be significant. It better be. It's got to be. And, and look, selfishly, we're on SmackDown. So I, I, want, a, I want a Cody Rhodes. You know, I, I want a top player from Raw across on our brand now. I agree. I would love a Cody Rhodes. I would love a Seth freaking Rollins. I would love Gunther. Give us the Intercontinental Champion back. I could, oh, man, I just got a little excited about that. I got, <laughs> got myself all worked up at the possibility of being able to call. That was my biggest takeaway. I actually texted Michael Cole and Wade Barrett after the show on Monday night and said, congratulations, guys. You called the hell out of that. That was a beautiful main event. That, that could have closed payback. That was a main event in any card, in any city, on any program in the business. It was beautiful. It was magical. It was emotional. I'm still riding high off of Gunther versus Chad Gable as we approach Boston, as we hopefully find out who the new guy is going to be. But I agree with you. It could be Cody. It could be Seth. It could be a Nakamura. It could be somebody we haven't seen for a while, but it better be big and it better be good. Yeah. Hey, real quick, by the way, Chad Gable's kids, you're talking about emotion and being invested in that match. 
What about his daughter? And the tear slowly running down her face afterwards. She was devastated. Well, she just watched her dad, who is her hero, be dismantled by one of the scariest sons of bitches on God's green earth, Gunther. I'd probably be crying, too, if I watched my dad get chopped by Gunther. I guarantee I'd probably be weeping right now. My dad's in his late 60s. If I saw him and Gunther stare at each other, I'm going to start crying. I'm scared of death. Speaking of kids, how was the baby shower? Oh, baby shower is fantastic. I'm pretty sure we violated a few uh, codes as far as having wild animals in city limits. There was a sloth there, KP. There was a there was a python. There were there was, was a, a sloth at the baby shower. Explain that one, please. KP, listen, the Graves family doesn't do anything at a reasonable level. It's got to be extra. Uh, have you met my wife? Yeah. Yeah. If she was having a baby shower, we were having an actual jungle imported to really, really fill out the room. It was quite a time. It was quite amazing. The only thing missing was maybe a celebrity special guest, someone who could really have taken the baby shower to that next echelon. Somebody who could have given my real life a rub, KP, a rub, somebody who makes me a bigger star just by interacting with them. Do you have anybody in mind? Do you know anybody who could potentially help me with that? And someone that knows a thing or two about wild animals. You know, probably would have brought a kangaroo or a koala or something like that. Who could it be? Oh, oh, I got it. You know why? Because he's here. Yes. He's here, KP. It is our distinct honor to accept the rub and welcome back to After the Bell, the host of the Grayson Waller effect. He is the Aussie icon, Grayson Waller. Grayson Waller, welcome. Thank you for your time to offer the Grayson Waller rub to After the Bell. What, what a treat. And, you know, SmackDown's newest announcers. I was so excited when I heard that you were coming over, Corey. Getting rid of Wade, I'd had enough of him. And then you, you bring Kevin. That's kind of like, you know, when you do the trade in the NFL, you get the really good player, but you got to take the crappy player as well. That's kind of right. what it was. KP would be like a player to be named later or cash. Yeah, you get that. Kevin Patrick, cash. Wait, hang on. Kevin, Kevin Patrick for cash considerations. I like that. I like that. Wait, that was you, though, in the draft, Grayson. You were the one named after the fact, right? Yeah, true. But since then, you know, things have changed. So uh, that, that, that's in the past. This is the now. And now you're here trying to get the Grayson Waller up. <laughs> well, we're grateful either way. I apologize in advance for any offensive statements or observations <laughs> made by my Irish counterpart. That's okay. I uh, I understand he's a bit slower, you know, takes time to get through these things. We'll get there. Grayson, big night for you this past Saturday night at WWE Payback. You were in the ring with the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. I'm not going to bring forward how the segment ended. That's of no interest to anybody. I'm talking about the business that was achieved prior to that uh, disturbing turn of events. Jey Uso, now on Monday Night Raw, how in the hell have you managed to raise the profile of the Grayson Waller effect so quickly to where the top stars in our industry are clamoring, climbing over one another to take part? You know, when it, when it first started, it was kind of just a talk show. There was no real big thing behind it. But then over time, every time I have these big names and I think people are starting to see that I can make myself relevant again being on this show. So I'd heard whispers about what Cody wanted to talk about. You know, I'm in the locker room. People are always saying certain things. And Cody came to me. And people can say I'm lying, but he admitted it on the show. He came to me and he thought this is the perfect platform to, to go out and give his big news. And that's kind of what I am now. I'm this platform for people to either make themselves relevant again 
or get their news out there. And I'm happy to let that happen. What about making themselves relevant in the first place? Is there any space for a broadcaster? Would you be willing to, to have me on at some point, Grace? I would love to have Corey Graves on the show. I think that would be fantastic. We have so much to talk about. Um, you know, he's got, he's got his pregnant miso. That's huge. That's, that's cool. I'd love to talk about that. Um, Wade, Michael Cole, Myron Saxton could be in there. Kathy Kelly, Kayla Braxton. There's a lot of broadcasters who could be on the show. I would love Mike Adamley to take part or, or, you know, so a blast from the past. Yeah, let's, let, let, let's take it back. I, I think he would be great. Um, he definitely needs the grace of Waller Rob. I don't think anyone said that guy's name in about 25 years. Or you could do like Lord Alfred Hayes, get a real European thing going on there. I think that would be good. Uh, there's just something about these Europeans that don't work on the show, but, you know, possibly. Mm, I understand. I don't want to be the, the reason for plummeting ratings. I, I don't want to suggest anything else that would harm no, the I brand. Thought, I think you would... In- increase ratings you know and a lot that. of the broadcasters would some the opposite fair enough fair enough i'll try next time we'll, <laughs> we'll revisit this in another six months what about being inside the inside the ring with john cena at money in the bank i gotta get straight to this because was it an intimidating moment for you in any way to stand inside the greatest of all time john cena i think the word i would use is like surreal like obviously being a wrestling fan growing up John Cena is, as people are saying now, the greatest of all time. So being across from him is is wild, especially in O2. That arena was sold out. You guys know how those English fans are. Like, that's a different vibe. Um, but for me personally, like, these are the places that I expect myself to be. When I got called up, this is where I wanted to be. So when I got in there with John, I didn't look that as, oh, this is a huge opportunity for me. Wow, I get to be across. I'm not a fan. I don't want his autograph. I don't want his merch. My way to learn from John isn't by sitting with him backstage and kissing his ass. My way to learn from John is being across from him and going against him, basically. So when I got in there with him, I looked at him as every other opponent that I'm in there with. I didn't look at him as a hero or anything like that because I think that's when you operate at a different level and you're not at your best. Is that a mentality that you've had to develop or is that something that's sort of inherent to you? Because it's very common for a superstar to have an opportunity to stand across from a Cena or an edge or insert legend here as you have over the past several months. And it's easy to sort of get lost in the moment or be walked over just because these personalities are so big, so much larger than life. Is that something you had to be cognizant of and sort of prepare for? Or is that just who Grayson Waller is? It's something that, Training back in Australia, I had a, a coach who, who had always said to me, you know, you, you have to act like you're on these guys' levels. When we'd have internationals come into Australia, like, he's like, don't be a fan. You're on the show to act like it. So it was always a mentality I had. And then last year, uh, I spoke to Fit Finley, who is someone I've worked with a lot. And Fit, Fit is the man. Anyone who knows him knows that. And he said to me one day, he pulled me aside quite sternly, if anyone knows Fit somewhat terrifying. And he said to me, like, when are you going to decide that you're on these guys level? Is it when you main event WrestleMania? Like you have to aim up and act like you're, you're there now. And the moment Fitz said that it all clicked and I refused. It didn't matter who it is. Edge in Madison square garden, John Cena in the O2 Cody Rhodes. When I'm in there, I'm on your level. And for some of you, I'm, I'm above your level. So what were you lacking before Fitz said that to you? I think I had too much respect, which is a wild thing for Grayson Waller to say, because I think everyone knows, like, I don't necessarily have that much respect for people, but I, 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 I'm someone who is a historian. I love the business. I've grown up. I know everything about it. 
I have respect to these legends. I do. That's why I'm trying to help them become relevant again. I'm trying to be a good guy. But I think in NXT, a few times I had the opportunity to get in with main roster talent and I showed them too much respect and I wasn't myself. And it's something that the audience might not notice, but it's something Fit Finley noticed. And uh, he's a guy that uh, I listen to everything he says. What in your experience has been the biggest change coming from NXT where you tasted a great deal of success between now being on the main roster and, and living how you're living? I think the, the major thing is you're not babied anymore. In NXT, like, they take care of you. Uh, obviously, you're inexperienced, you're new. For some people, I had an independent wrestling background. Some people don't. This is their first time having a match, first time doing a promo, all that type of stuff. So for me, you get up here and it's like, go. Sink or swim. They're not taking care of you. They're not looking after you. I guess it's like, you know, leaving high school and going to college. Now, now you're on your own, which I love. That's what I want. I know some people would struggle with it. You know, you're not getting baby. Hey, is everything okay? Do you need some help? Like that doesn't happen. You get called up and it's like, as they said, sink or swim. And you can make that decision pretty quickly. And then I was like, this is what I want. Let me go. If you had to pick something that was the hardest part of the adjustment, what would you say that is? The travel definitely is. And I've been doing it a few months, so I can't complain too much. You know, someone like Rey Mysterio has been traveling all over the world for years. But like NXT, you finish a show, you're in your own bed five minutes later. That was a dream, you know? <laughs> now I'm in Canada. I'm trying to get through customs there. Then I go to Alabama. Then I'm in Pittsburgh. Like I'm in all these different places and it's, it's a long time away from home, but I'm kind of loving it to be honest. This is my first time experiencing a lot of these places. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are okay. But the travels, it's, it's rough at times. Give me a best place, worst place off the top of your head. I've been following your social media exploits. I know Ooh. you haven't been to too many cities you're necessarily a fan of, but uh, so far experiencing the, the WWE universe like that. Yeah, New York is hands down the worst place I've ever been in my life. I, think, <laughs> I can't believe that's a famous place. Like, it's gross. You walk around, like, it smells like it, it's a rough place to be. I just didn't enjoy any of it. Um, but then recently I went to Philly, which has a bad reputation. You know, people say the people are rude. Everyone was great. I loved it. And I think it was because I was there in, in summer. They get like three days of sunny year. So when right, they get right. that, they, they, they take advantage. So in December when I go, it's probably going to be horrible. <laughs> what do you make of Pittsburgh? I wish I got to see more of Pittsburgh. I, I have heard good things, but we, we drove in from uh, the show the night before. So I saw the arena. I saw the airport. Um, and I, and I saw, I saw a gym. That's it. But those were great. Those were fantastic. Uh, and that's, that's par for the course though. That's what everybody in WWE always says. You've been around the world, but you haven't seen a thing. You see the airport, you see the hotel, you see the arena and you repeat in reverse order and then on to the next. Yeah. And, uh, William Regal told me when I first came up, you know, Regal gives his advice and he told me to, to not stay in the hotel. That was his major thing. So I've been trying my best when I have time, like in Louisville, I went to the Muhammad Ali museum. Yeah. That was sick. So I try and find like, you have like two hours free. I try and find something to do so I can at least pretend that I've been in this place. Yeah. Latch onto the Byron Saxton schedule. Just get him to text you what he does each and every city he goes to. I mean, it, it, the guy's never, never sitting down relaxing. Do you know how many people have experienced the Byron Saxton travel experience, KP? No. Zero. You know why? Because no one wants to travel with Byron Saxton like that and go see the freaking cutlery museum and the the most famous fried egg in North America or whatever weird stuff, stuff. he Whoa. finds on his phone. Hey, you might get me in the fried egg. That, that, <laughs> I might message you about that. That sounds okay. <laughs>
Uh, you touched on some of the advice of taking your game to the next level. Do you think some of that is just sheer life experience and age, given that you're no longer your early 20s anymore, late 20s? Like, you think about a guy like L.A. Knight and what he's doing now at this stage of his career. And you're, yes, you're significantly younger, but you've had so much experience to back that up. You're no longer that 21, 22-year-old kid breaking through. Yeah, I actually feel very lucky that I started a bit later and got involved a bit later, which, you know, most people get in wrestling. I started at 18, 16, all these young guys, but they get a bit older. Their body's a little bit broken. They're a little bit grizzled. Um, for me, I lived my life. I, I did all the fun things. I, I got a degree. I did all those things. So then when I got to focus on wrestling, I could, and I didn't have any stress about it. And now coming up to the main roster, like I feel ready for it. For some of the, the, the kids in NXT, legit kids, you know, they just finished college. This would be a lot traveling by themselves, trying to make flights, like all those little things that don't really get talked about are tough. And even the stresses of just like being on the road, being away from people, having to go out and perform in front of two and a half million people on TV with maybe five minutes notice. I feel comfortable doing that. Whereas 10 years ago, there's, there's no way I would have flamed out so quick. What's something you learned in the ring, having competed against someone like an edge at Madison Square Garden, quite literally one of the pinnacles of our game to compete in that world's most famous arena. Obviously, I know New York's not a big, uh, big favorite of Grayson Waller. But as far as competing in a main event on television against a Hall of Famer, what's something you took away? Because, listen, I've been through the NXT system as well. That's not necessarily something you learn on the way up. You kind of have a trial by fire situation there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to even think about main eventing Madison Square Garden and that was my SmackDown debut coming back from an injury. That whole story is, is kind of insane. But the main thing I learned from like guys like Edge and now Ray, it's like there's just like a difference in presence. Like when you stand across from them, you can feel it. And now you understand why the audience is so engaged, why the audience loves them so much. There's just something about them. And that's something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and develop over time. But there was just everything he did was so clean and – and, and I'm trying to kick his ass the whole time, but he's just so confident about himself. And it's just, it's just something that you can't really explain that well. Um, but for me personally, I was lucky. I was one of the first guys to work a main roster talent on NXT. AJ Styles came down to NXT. So I had those opportunities to work right. those bigger matches. And now you see like Tiffany uh, and Becky Lynch on NXT. Like they're giving these NXT people opportunities to work big name talent in main event situations, big stressful situations. And I think all that does is better prepare them for the main roster. So for me, I do the Grayson Waller effect. I have nine minutes to get ready, get out to the ring and wrestle edge in the main event. And to be honest, I wasn't nervous. I was ready to go. I was ready to go. Like I felt good about it all. And I think I thought about how big the moment was afterwards, which was probably for the best. Gravy, what do you think it is? In that moment, if I can ask you the question that Edge has, that Ray has, that, you know, they, they've got that level of, it's not just confidence. What is it in the ring with the Grayson? It's kind of like what we discussed earlier when it comes to like Gable and Gunther. They know who they are. It's one thing to have a personality. And Waller, you've been through the developmental system just like like I have. And you spend time honing and and carving and chipping away at what you think you are. But then you have to either grow into it or you start stripping things down. And sometimes you, you stack so much clay on top of yourself that you need to really shed a lot of it to figure out who you are in your true essence. But that's what makes a superstar a superstar. And what makes a all-timer or a legend an all-timer or a legend is that they know Edge doesn't have to think about how Edge reacts to anything. 
Edge is Edge. Rey Mysterio doesn't have to react or wonder, hmm, how would Rey Mysterio handle this? He just does it. And it takes time and it takes equity and the fans know and they've watched for years. So it's a cumulative effect. But ultimately, that's what makes a great in WWE is knowing who you are all the time from bell to bell and not freaking out or not worrying if something doesn't go according to how you expect it. It's being able to stay that way. John Cena is John Cena 24 hours a day. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I see a lot of that in Grayson. Is that something, again, that you you work at or do you find that your natural personality is such that it really lends itself to you being who you are? I think anyone who knows me personally knows that Grayson Waller is Grayson Waller. I'm not playing a character. I almost get offended when people come to me and go, oh, wow, you play such a good character. Lad, this is who I am. Uh, I'm, I'm brash. I love trash talking. I love messing with people like, this is what I do. And I think that's why I have an advantage because I'm not playing someone. I'm just being myself. I love, like, I think it's the Australian in me saying things to get under people's skin. That's always been me. I've always been a 50, 50 person. You either love me or hate me. No one says, Oh, Grayson's okay. Yeah. It's either one or the other. And that's why I think I have such an advantage over people because I'm just being myself and, it, and it's fun. And I get away with it too. So we go, oh, wow, that, that was so funny. I can't believe you said that for your character. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that, that was it. I would never say that really. That's why Graves loves you so much. <laughs> I think because we, we have so much in common, you know. We're, we're unapologetic about who we are. And I think I appreciate that more. I would rather someone be real with me and maybe be, a, you know, a bit of a mean person rather than be really nice to my face and it's fake as. That's, I can't stand that. And I can see right through that too. That explains everything, KP. I can see I the nervousness washing over you right now. I know. <laughs> feel seen right now. <laughs> hey, but if you could have one person get the Grayson Waller rub right now, any name that you feel needs to be on the Grayson Waller effect, who is it? There's so many. Like People are kind of desperate at the moment. You know, sometimes I'll walk through backstage and I have like legends like grabbing at my shirt. Like, oh, please, Grayson, help, help, help. Oh man, I can only do so much. Like, what am I going to do with you? Um, but I've said it a few times and I'm going to make it happen, especially after performance in Pittsburgh, Trish Stratus. Ah, yes. I would love to have her on my show. I've always been a big fan of Trish and somehow now even more like that performance against Becky. Like- we talked about that at the entire top of the show, man. Those two women stole the show, match of the year candidate, and and Trish at this stage in her career as a as a Hall of Famer already going out there, and Becky, of course, doing what she does. Those two women made magic. They did, and there was a few of us watching in the locker room and just looking at each other, like how how is she doing this? Like she she disappeared for however long, like over a decade, I'm pretty sure, and comes back and is. Doing this, she's getting smashed in the cage. She's got a knot in her head. Like, I got a lot of respect for, for Trish, and, and I would love to have her on the show. What about celebrities outside of WWE that you would love to have on the Grayson Waller effect? Just in general, let's say Grayson Waller goes like afternoon primetime, like Tamron Hall or any of those talk shows. The, the easy answer is Margot Robbie, but that's more for myself than, than the audience. <laughs> Understood. But like, lately I've been going to a lot of the, like, I went to the Philadelphia Eagles training camp. Jason Kelsey, if you guys know, yes, the man, and just like such Big a personality, too. wrestling personality. Yeah, like I would love to have him on the show. Uh, a lot of those athletes too, and especially UFC too. There's a few of the Aussie boys, Alexander Volkanovsky and Taito Ivasa, who are killing it and big personalities. And and 
I'm, I'm one. I, I like to look after my, the boys from my home country, and, and I would love to have them on the show. Who do you look at and just enjoy as a fan uh, uh, when, you, when you're able to step outside of the spotlight for a minute, whether it be currently or even you know, past days? Who, who's inspired Grayson Waller, and who do you enjoy watching most? I find watching wrestling really hard now, like current wrestling, just because now I watch it as, as like I'm studying it. Right. Which isn't, so it's not fun. I'm not sure. a fan anymore. And even if I'm watching NXT, I was watching that last night. I'm watching because someone's going to message me and ask how their match was or, or things like that. So it's, I'm not watching it for fun. So when I go back, it, it, it's wild. Like the people that I enjoy watching are the people that probably hate me the most. I loved watching Shawn Michaels. I love watching AJ Styles. And I used to love watching Johnny Gargano, which is ridiculous because these three dudes hate me with a passion. So sometimes their matches will come up and I'll watch it a little bit differently because I'm like, I used to enjoy this so much, but uh, now those guys can't stand me. But, but they're, they're the people who I, I watched kind of growing up and the style I enjoyed, which is funny because I don't think it's necessarily my style at all. But sometimes as a fan, you, you watch things that aren't kind of connected to you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. What about Austin Theory? You enjoyed teaming up with Theory last Friday night on SmackDown, it seems. Is there any future with you two? You never know. I've always been a big Theory fan. I've, I've seen lately, like, he's copping a bit of flack online, and I, I laugh because I just think Theory's the guy that people don't understand how good he actually is. If, you, if you're here, you, you know. He's 25. It annoys me. It frustrates me. Because like, I have to stand next to him. He's all jacked. Like, that, 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 that really annoys me. That was, that was the one part I didn't like. I'm, I'm going to have to start, like, really murdering the gym to get on his level. Uh, but I think there's, some, there's, there's natural chemistry with me in theory. You know, we hang out a little bit backstage. We like to chat. Um, we're both very good looking. We're both very good in the ring. People hate us. I think it's just, like, a natural kind of connection uh, and we love people not liking us. So you put the both of us together, that's a, that's a bit of a dangerous mix. I personally love the two of you together because the fun that I was able to have just in that one matchup, it, to your point, you're both very handsome. I was able to bring that forward. Any sort of quality that would get under the skin of the WWE universe, it was just flooding into my brain. And I was going, oh, and this and this and this. And that to me is just like, that's, that's what I gauge things on. I'm like, these guys rule together because I can just piss everybody off for the entire segment. Like, you've seen wrestling fans, right? Like, you can look in our crowd. It is rough. It's 97% black shirts. It's 85% 265-plus. They've got that beard, like, down here. They don't even take care of themselves. Like, the smell in some arenas is rough. So they waddle into the show. They struggle down the stairs, and they have to see me in theory. Oh, and like, that must be rough. And then you've got to think, you know, they're all obsessed online with the girls, like, and they're talking to us. So no wonder they hate us. Like, I, I would hate me too. I, yeah, I can relate. The, the amount of hate that I received, I think, multiplied times uh-huh. about 10 after I married who I married. I think it was like, oh, screw you. You're extra bad. I'm like, I've always been a kind of a pain in the ass, but. Yeah, I, I feel bad for you a little bit, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you've got. You've got the golden goose, but these dudes are not happy. And, you know, you can hear them. They're screaming, but, you know, you can hear them breathing somehow, too. Like, oh, yeah, like, it's like, all right, lad. Like, what are you going to do? Come on. I'm going to run away. You can't chase me. You're going to fall over. They, yeah, the fans are rough. It's the scream wheeze. Yeah. Dude, it's like, you know, the penguin in Toy Story? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dude, there's a faction in the works in time. Corey Graves' manager, Grayson Waller, Austin Theory, Dominic Mysterio. I can see oh it my already. God. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Oh, that we would be... We wouldn't have to say anything. Just no. stand there. Yeah, that would be it. That would be... I think you might, might have stumbled upon a million-dollar idea there, KP. Let's put it out into the universe. We speak things into existence here on ATB. Yeah. I love you it. Obviously, they'd have us just putting any sort of effort into our life. You know? Right. I wish they could put any effort. Like, <laughs> just leave the house. You know, go for a walk. Just do something. You know what? Have a drink of water. Put the put the coke down. Just have a drink of water. See how it affects you. Hydration and sunshine goes a long way. <laughs> it's a wild thing, right? Can you imagine Waller as a motivational trainer in the gym? I, I think it's just average Joe's walking in. I think that's a reality show. <laughs> if, if you've ever, I don't, not many people have seen it, but on Survivor, when I did it in Australia, obviously I'm very competitive. So when we did the challenges, like, I was fired up and like, there was like a compilation someone made of me like hyping up my teammates. And it's one of the ones where like I'm hyping them up, but I'm also kind of being mean in the, that's just kind of what I do. And some people react well and some people react horribly. It is what it is. Backhanded motivation. It works. For, that's what I like though. You know, when, when, when I finish a match or something and, and, and someone tells me it sucked and tells me why, and this is this, that fires me up to improve. When someone coddles me, oh, it's okay. They pat my head. You tried so hard. Like, get out of my face. I don't. I don't need that. I need real feedback. <laughs> like, give us some. Give us some real feedback here toward the draft class. Who are you proud of? We talked about Zoe Stark and the, the what we've seen from Zoe since arriving on Monday Night Raw and over the weekend again. Who are you proud of when you think about some of the teammates that you've seen come up to Raw and SmackDown? Yeah, obviously. Zoe's killing it. And I think sometimes we forget she was even drafted. It feels like she's been, been on the main roster for years type of thing. Lately, JD McDonough has been killing it, which is great to see because I had the opportunity to get in the ring with him, train with him a bunch. I know how good JD is. And I think it was just a, a situation of waiting for that opportunity. And the moment he got the opportunity, he was going to grab it. And in that ring, very few people can touch JD. And that's why, you know, he's in there with Sami Zayn and he doesn't look out of place. The other ones are pretty deadly, obviously. Yes. I travel a bit with the Pretty Deadly Boys, an unfortunate injury uh, for Elton. Uh, he's on the men, though. They're going to be back soon. But they're just so much. That's my type of wrestling. They're so much fun. They go out there. They have a good time. And, uh, you know, they're fun to travel with, too. So I'm excited for Pretty Deadly to come back. But this draft class has been fire. I think pretty much top to bottom, everyone, everyone's killing it, which is great to see. We were talking earlier about this being a golden era, right? Do you have that sense? You've been a fan of WWE your entire life and people often throw back to the Attitude Era and whatever else. Cody Rhodes has been speaking recently about how those guys need to be marking out over this current era. Do you feel that we're in the midst of something really special right now? Definitely. And I feel very lucky. You know, I get called up to SmackDown and every show is sold out and we're doing these huge audiences. And it's just like, this is just normal for me. I forget that some of the guys who've been here a while, it hasn't always been like that. But when you look around like SmackDown specifically, I'm there every week. That roster is insane. You know, you've, you've had the bloodline for a while. So obviously Roman's there. Then you got guys like Ray and then Edge was there. And then Austin Theory on the come up. You got me, you got Pretty Deadly on the come up. You got, you know, when Sammy and Kevin are there, like the women too, like Charlotte, um, Bianca, Asuka, it's just wild. And I think it's something that you'll look back in 10 years and 
similar like SmackDown 2002. I was just about to say that. We always see those memes online right now. Like, look at the card in 2002, and it was Angle and Edge and Mysterio, and, and it was just like, oh my God, these guys were all on the same show at the same time? Like, multiple years of Hall of Fame classes. And somehow, it's the same roster. I feel <laughs> like I'm wrestling SmackDown 2002. Yeah, like it's wild. Edge is there. Oh, there's Ray. Oh, John Cena. It's like, how are you guys still doing this so well? But you really feel they're not willing to pass the baton to you guys now? You still feel that way? They can't, ha- like, you can see it. They can't help it. Like, they, they'll give interviews about, oh, this guy, the new guy's so good. Ray's got Santos. But they just can't let go. Like, I know the feeling. When you go out in front of that audience and they're making noise, like, it's addictive. It's better than any drug. It's better than any alcohol. And they just can't help it. Like, look at Ray. Taking the U.S. title, like imagine Santos wins the U.S. title. What a, what an amazing moment that would be for Santos. But Ray was like, no, 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 I want one more, like one more hit, one more hit. Come on, please, please, please. And I feel like Edge was kind of like that too. They just, they appreciate the next class, but they don't want to let them have their spot. Well, it's up to you guys to uh, step up and take those spots. I've got to ask, since it did sort of begin on your show, The Grayson Waller Effect at Payback, Jay Uso headed back to Monday Night Raw. But as we found out Monday night, somebody from Raw is headed to SmackDown. We don't know. Do you have any speculation, any guesses, anyone you would like to have make the jump and uh, maybe be a special guest on your show? Yeah, I know it kind of worries me who they're going to bring over. I'm worried it's going to be Cody because if you want to talk about someone who's going to try, why does, why does that worry you? Yeah. Try and overshadow me. He tried to do it on my show. So I'm polite enough to let him on. He's making these jokes about hip toss class and skull. And yes, I enjoyed skull with Terry Taylor. Okay, Cody, you don't have to mention that in front of everyone, but I'm hoping it's someone, you know, for me personally, I would love to be Indy Hartwell, bring an Australian over, make maybe Bronson Reed, make SmackDown like, the Australian show with all the big name Australians. We don't need Cody. We don't need these guys trying to overshadow us. We need people who are going to try and, as you said, take that torch. How does it feel for you as a proud Australian to look across the landscape and realize how heavily populated WWE is right now with your fellow countrymen? It makes me super proud. Um, Anyone who knows like the Australian kind of independent wrestling situation is there's always been the talent there but there's just not the eyes. Australia is so far away right. and it's always been the case. So it's great that like Rhea's arguably like the top star of the company. If you've ever walked into a venue near Rhea, Damien Priest is so funny what happens. He'll get out. He's the money in the bank winner. He'll get out of his car and all you hear is mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> oh, that poor brother. Um, <laughs> but it's great seeing her. And then we've got Indy, we've got Bronson, Duke, down in NXT, he's holding the flag high for us. Like it, it's great, and I hope it opens more doors for more Australians to come in and, and show what we can do. Because I'm sick of the Americans. Like we get it. You're also patriotic, but you're all the same. Like I think we need to change things up a little bit. Is there? Is do you keep an eye still on what's going on in Australia on the independent scene? And do you feel like there's a better back and forth connection now than there probably was when you arrived? Or is that something you think you need to work on? I watch more Australian wrestling than they probably realize. Like if they knew some of the, like I go to the depths because I see it as my role to help them out. So I try and keep an eye on who, who can I invest in? I'm from a company called PWA, number one company in Australia, Madison Eagles, Robbie Eagles were my coaches. And there's some incredible talent there. So I'm always keeping my eye on giving them feedback, trying to help them out and get them ready for here. Cause as good as they're doing there, 
you can't make a living in Australia right now. Uh, so I think there is a close connection, but right now with WWE, they're doing so well with these NIL athletes that it's hard to look outside that. You know, when you have someone like Tiffany Stratton come in, in what, 18 months doing what she's doing, Kalani Jordan's another one who's doing it, Hank Walker, they're getting these NIL athletes and they're doing so well. Why would you look outside that program? And I've done a few of the tryouts now and it, it kind of makes sense to me. Right. And, and that was something that I, I disagreed with initially. Like I got signed in 2011 where there were a handful of us independent wrestlers. There were a few college athletes or former football players and they weren't sort of looked upon. But from what I understand, the main theory behind it is it's a lot easier to teach an athlete from scratch than it is to break bad habits from someone who's been doing it the wrong way for all of these years. And I've seen that happen in my developmental classes. I see it now. If you watch NXT, there are certain things where you go, ah, that's terrible. That's a bad habit. We don't want to do that. And rather than breaking something, they're just building them from the ground up. And it's, I think the theory is you can teach a great athlete to do the maneuvers. And then the specialty then becomes who has the charisma, who has the personality, because you can't teach that, that, that is an inherent thing. And I think it's more or less sifting through the pile of studs to find the diamonds in that rough. Yeah. And I can, I've done a few of the tryouts now. So I think, you know, immediately when they get in the ring to, to talk, I know which way it's going to go. But I was similar to you that at first I hated it. And there was definitely, and even still now, there's like a divide between the athletes and the wrestlers. Because you look at from the wrestler perspective, hey, I was out doing this for 10 years. I've done this, 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 this. And you just walk in and think you deserve this opportunity. But from the athlete's perspective, it's not their fault. So for a while, like it would annoy me, but now I'm looking at it differently. And I can see exactly why they're doing it. Because I go to these tryouts and they have these incredible athletes doing things straight away, day one. And you're like, this all makes so much and sense. And you can't argue with the results now. You, you can't. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns was a football player. Yes, Roman grew up in the business and I'm sure had an inherent understanding better than most. But Roman's passion, his, his dream was football. That didn't work. Here comes the developmental system. Boom. You got the biggest star in the business. The biggest star the business has seen in two decades at this point in Roman Reigns. Bianca Belair came in as a CrossFit athlete or a track star. One of the, the most successful women we've seen in, in a generation. So, I mean, I think it speaks to Big the, e. um, Big E. Big E was a power lifter, football player. I mean, it, I, I think the track record is such that you, it's kind of hard to argue with, oh, they didn't do time on the indies. Well, they don't belong here anymore. I, I think it's probably, probably kind of the other case at this point. And now it's a situation where for the independent talent, you have to be world class to come right. in. We can't just let any flop in. If you're not Carmelo Hayes, if you're not Dragon Lee, we don't need you. Because these guys are bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, and they're coachable, most of them. The only issue now happening is that some of these athletes have expectations of getting things straight away. Mm -hmm. Because someone like Tiffany, 18 months as a champion, they go, why am I not the champion? Well, you're not Tiffany Stratton. You, you don't have that star appeal. You're not her. So you have the issue now where some of these athletes expect to be on TV, expect to be in big positions, even when they're not ready. And then they get all butt hurt, and all of a sudden you got eight a month in grizzled young vets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you look across the landscape, before I let you go here, uh, obviously you've been lucky enough to get in the ring, or I should say, the other stars have been lucky enough to share the ring with Grayson Waller. But if you look across the landscape, uh, who's got your attention right now? Who would you like to mix it up with, or or at least interact with that you haven't yet? 
Yeah, the, the wild thing is like, you look at who I've been in the ring with so far, like it's a who's who. Right. You go basically, you know, Cena, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Jay Uso, like they, they, these are all big names. But for me now, I think I need something to kind of show how good I really am. Because for so long I've talked about I don't need a championship. I've said that so many times. Like I'm so good I don't need a championship. But it gets to a stage where it's like, are you really that good? And I'm starting to change my mindset on that where I'm starting to look around. And I'm like, maybe I do need something to, to prove to everyone who I am. I know how good I am, but maybe I need that symbol. So for, for me right now, it's not a person. It's a, it's a championship. And that United States championship is looking real nice. And I've been in there with Ray. I know what he brings. And, and I feel if I get in there with a second time with him, he might be a little bit of danger. Because imagine, like, there's two ways it goes. I win the United States championship and I go town to town, experience how horrible the United States is. Like, that's one option. Option two, I turn that into the Australian Championship. I, I, I give it a proper flag on it. All of a sudden, we start rocking it differently. There's like, I've got some plans if that happens. It sounds like you need to go on like a world tour, like an anti-Anthony Bourdain. I'm telling you, just yeah. travel the country. We'll have, we'll have Grayson Waller, the Grayson Waller effect on Peacock every week, whichever city WWE is in. We join you and you can do a little tour of the, uh, the city and just tell us why it's bad. It's the opposite. Instead of finding hidden gems, you're like, no, no, this place, New York City, worst place <laughs> in the world. Yeah, like one-star reviews, basically. And especially, yes. like, I had to go to Alabama re- recently. Like, I can't believe that's a real place. It feels like I was back in the 1960s. Those people were so backward. Like, I don't think they even had a dentist. I looked, I tried to find one on, I went on Yelp for a dentist. It said, doesn't exist. And I was like, oh, this all makes sense now. No results found. On which are New York, though? Yeah. I played Tinder, too. One swap, and it was <laughs> That's like, playing with fire done. there, my friend. It's finished. Yeah, yeah. But I have a, high, a little bit of a higher standard, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying playing with that in, in, in some places in Alabama, you know, where the gene pool isn't necessarily that deep. Yeah, no. Surprisingly, so in the Alabama one, there's a bit where it says relation. And it tells you like cousin, sister, brother, those type of things, just like to help you out, which I think is great. I don't have any family here, so it didn't work for me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, well, Grayson, we're having a great time. I am. I can't speak for the Irishman. I mean, you know, the I've Irish and their biases. I've enjoyed it. The whole one swipe on Tinder thing. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> where, uh, where can the, the ATB faithful find you on social media to keep an eye on all of your exploits? You know, I'm Grayson Waller, everywhere. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some headlines like, the one thing you know when you bring Grayson Waller on for an interview, those terrible wrestling journalists, I use that term lightly, are going to find six or seven articles. The next two weeks are sorted for them. They're welcome. My Twitter's on fire right now. It's gone crazy. Kathy Kelly's trying to DM me. It's really frustrating. Like I'm trying to focus on my career, trying to do big things, get to the gym, and I've got all these girls backstage trying to message me. It's been tough, but um, hopefully I can get through it. Listen, I'm going to need you to power through. I'm going to need you to summon the strength deep inside, deep from way down under, summon the strength, keep doing what you're doing. And, and we will love to experience the Grayson Waller effect for many years to come here in WWE. That's the plan. Corey, I can't wait to see you Friday. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about this in purpose. Maybe we'll go out for dinner after, like have a good time. We'll talk to Michael about that. Remember that thing we were talking about? Yeah, Me yeah, yeah. Michael well, we shouldn't we'll, we'll hey, discuss hey, that on Friday. Can I go? Is it, is it something oh, like a no, there's only oh, three we're busy seats that day. Three-seated car. 
It's yeah. a three-seated car. Oh. There's no such thing as a three-seater car in the U.S. No, is no, there? it's an Australian car. It's, it's an, an Australian, Australian car. car. It's an import. Yeah, he had it flown directly that. to Boston. He was telling me about it before we came on the air. Yeah, it's okay. Maybe maybe you can hang out with someone else, you know? Johnny Gargano. Yeah, Michael hates Top Dollar. Kevin, you can hang out with Top Dollar. Yeah, you fit in perfectly with Hit Row, yeah? All that rap Top music Dollar and stuff. And Johnny there Gargano, we'll go watch Bluey together. There that you go. lovely. Yeah, okay. you enjoy that. We'll hang out. Look at Grayson solving the world's problems, and we will continue to try to solve the world's problems and fail spectacularly right here on After the Bell. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. If you're in the Boston area, he's looking for dinner plans, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode episodes of ATB are available on the official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday and we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol and more WWE after the bell. Bell.